and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. This is another episode of The Remnant Call, and I am your host tonight, Brother Frank, and just glad to be here with you, and uh, going to have Brother Benjamin on tonight, and I know everybody's excited about that. Um, just thankful to be alive. I don't know about you all, but I've had a stressful week. I've had a, a challenging week, uh, but God has been good through all of this, and I'll tell you, to some of the listeners out there, I've uh, some of you have had loss of loved ones, been through some uh, terrible struggles. Uh, just want to know, praying for you, and um, just knowing God can do that which seems impossible uh, in this world at times. And and remember, folks, we always pray so often, Lord, give me your peace. But God already gave us his peace. My peace have I given you. So, folks, why don't we begin to pray, Lord, help me to receive your peace. Let me receive that which you have already given, Lord. And I know that if you will open up to receive the peace that passes all understanding, that the God who gives it so openly to those who desire shall receive. And so, folks, I also want to just say for also for those who I've just heard some wonderful testimony, just an earlier one this evening from uh, Sister Linda. Oh, God bless you. I'm so glad to hear the news about your husband, Praise the Lord. I'm just so thankful about this. And God is in the business of rescuing people, and he is rescuing people at this time. Folks, it is those who look unsavable that God is in the business of saving. I'm a prime example, and I've seen it happen before. And, and so don't give up when it seems hopeless. Don't worry. God has got a plan for your loved one or for those who you've been uh, praying for, uh, and he is able to reach that. You know, if you've ever never read, um, George Mueller's autobiography. You've got to read it. It is, it is a must-read uh, piece of uh, uh, literature because it is about a man who, who never asked for any money from anybody, yet he prayed and God always delivered. If they didn't have food, they'd break down in front of the vehicle, uh, in front of their orphanage. He prayed and prayed. And, and one of the stories, it's not in the autobiography, it's in another story, but he had prayed for people for his whole life, these uh, few individuals, and and one of them hadn't, or one or two, I can't remember, hadn't come to the Lord yet before he was ready to pass away. And they, someone had asked him about that, and, and he was like, you know, the Lord doesn't put a burden on one of his children's hearts that he doesn't plan on answering. You know, right after, shortly after his death, that person accepted the Lord and, and got saved. And hallelujah, those prayers are not in vain. So let's keep praying. Even when we don't see the answer, we walk by faith and not by sight. Folks, let me just remember, if you walk by sight, you will do like Job did, okay? Or you will, Job's wife did when she just said, why don't you curse God and die? But Job lived by faith and not by sight, not by what was going on around him, those circumstances did not define who he was. 
They did not define what he uh, um, what he did in his response. And 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 folks, Job had some issues. He did believe it or not. If you read the book very closely, God was not just being harsh, but he had a plan. Job was a faithful man of God. And but Job at the end, you see, he had he had some. He had a few things that needed to be polished out, and even actually at one point he tried to reprove the Lord. And if you read it, you'll find that out. And, and, and it's, I think, around Job 38 or so, somewhere around in there, he, he, God finally uh, you know, calls him out on it, and he just covers his mouth, and he's like, I'm vile. So God in his wisdom knew what Job needed. And, and if you're with the Lord, if you're walking with God and your family member dies and they know the Lord, and if God was to decide to take that person, if God was to decide to take Job's children or allow the enemy to take his children, it's okay if we know God. It's okay if we know Jesus. And folks, if you, if you have a loved one who's not in the Lord, if you have children and not in the Lord, listen, you can be a covering for that family. It's in Corinthians. And you can be there and stand in the gap for those who don't. So don't worry. Pray your children in. Pray your husband or your wife in to the faith. You can be that person in the gap for them. Well, I'm not going to continue on with my ramble because I'm going to bring our special guest on here tonight, Brother Benjamin Baruch. If you are not familiar with Brother Benjamin, then this must be about either the third, second or third time you've listened to the Remnant Call because he is a regular here uh, and a friend of mine, a man who uh, God used to, to a book he had. He, he used my daughter to wake me up and this book to grab a hold of me and, and, and basically just pull me from the depths of the pit of hell. And so I am proud to bring on Brother Benjamin right now with us. Brother Benjamin, are you here? Well, hello, Frank. Hey, you should just continue. You were doing great. Well, praise God, Brother. I, I'm just, I'm fired up, Benjamin. I guess, I, I, you know, it seems like when everything's, you know, you're going rough and someone just sends you a, an email that just lifts your spirit up and talks about a wonderful testimony of something that just happened. And I'll tell you, Benjamin, seeing people turn around and seeing people come to Jesus, like the man who called in on the one episode and then sent me, uh, David was named, then sent the message. He, he gave his life and went down in the waters of baptism. I mean, Benjamin, that's what we do this for, is to warn people that they would turn Amen. back to Jesus. And so, brother, I want to just say, God bless you. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on. And I know you got something, a burden on your heart. And I would just ask, Benjamin, would you open up the show with a word of prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Pray with me, brethren. Father, we thank you that we have received such mercy from you, that we've been chosen in the Beloved, that you've called us, Lord, you've touched us. You've intervened in each of our lives. You've set our feet on the narrow path that leads to life. And Father, we thank you for the blessing and for the, the mighty work that you've begun, the work that you've promised to finish in each of our lives. Lord, the glory indeed is yours. We can do nothing apart from you. We ask, Lord, in this time that, that you would strengthen us and by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would continue to walk in the, in the things that you have ordained for us to walk in. Pray your word of truth would come forth tonight. Ask that the listeners would be given the ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to obey. 
We ask that Jesus would be lifted up. Amen. We ask that the kingdom would would come and that your will would be done in our lives and that it would be done in the earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Benjamin, brother, uh, you know, I got the title from you and I went into the book of Jeremiah and looked it up and boy, if it is not seeming like you picked uh, a place to start that is uh, kind of mirroring what's going on in our world right now. Well, yeah, I don't know that I picked it, brother, but uh, praise God. Amen. Amen. I want to share some stuff from Jeremiah, but let's read that scripture uh, from whence the title comes. And uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to just read a couple excerpts from Jeremiah chapter 4, and then we're going to get back to Jeremiah, and we will end up back in this place by the end of this program. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, If thou wilt return, O Israel, says the Lord, return unto me. If you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not remove. Behold, the lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. And, of course, that's the lion emerging from the thicket is the Antichrist no longer hiding in the grass, having stood up close enough to the prey to be able to devour. And so he no longer hides himself. He comes forward and is now visible. And is that not this hour, Frank? Are the deeds and the minions of the Antichrist not visible before our eyes? Indeed, the lion has stood up from the thicket. It shall come to pass in that day in this day, saith the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish, and the heart of the princes shall fail, and the priests shall be astonished, and the prophets, the men who fashioned themselves to be prophets, shall wonder why they didn't see any of this coming. At that time they will say to this people, a dry wind from the high places of the wilderness has come forth, Upon the daughter of my people, a wind not to fan nor to cleanse, but to utterly destroy. Even a full wind shall come, and now I will give sentence against them. Behold, he will come up as clouds, and his chariots shall come forth as a whirlwind. Woe unto us, for we are spoiled. O Jerusalem, wash yourself, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your vain thoughts lodge within your mind? Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reaches unto thy soul, unto thy heart. My bowels, my bowels, I am at pain at the... In my very heart, my heart makes a noise within me. I cannot hold my peace because I have heard, O my soul, the sound of the shofar, the sound of the trumpet, broadcasting, announcing the alarm of war. Destruction upon destruction has been decreed upon the whole earth. It is utterly spoiled. Suddenly is this nation ruined, as it were, in a moment. How long will we see standard. How long will we hear the sound 
the trumpet and the alarm of war. Amen. Now, in the book of Jeremiah, wow. Yeah. What a what a message. What a incredible message. The alarm of war. Frank, is that not the time we're in? It is. The alarm is. of war. You know, I think that when was the last time that um, I should know this, but I don't. When was the last time I was on Remnant Call? The Day of Atonement. Oh, my well, goodness. Week before, yeah. Oh, well, gee, the world hasn't changed. <laughs> really? So that would be, um, let me see. About if a I month ago. My, 26 days ago. Yeah? 27 days ago. Unreal. September 30th. Day of Atonement. You're so the next the day mm-hmm. was October 1st. Yeah, you were on the 28th. Mm-hmm. Oh, right before the Day of Atonement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. September 28th. And we did the message on the Day of Atonement. And we talked about the scapegoat. Yes. And how the Lord was our atonement. Amen. And it was God's purpose that we would escape his judgment. That was the reason that he took our place, much as the the goat that is slaughtered on the Day of Atonement takes the place of the scapegoat. And the very next day, following the Day of the Atonement, the forces of the Antichrist gathered in a place we call Sin City, Las Vegas, and they slaughtered. They attempted to slaughter 500 people. Hmm. The very next day, in what was a clear satanic ritual, carried out before the monument of the pyramid of Luxor. You know, I would encourage our listeners, if you haven't, to um, do a little bit of research into the clear evidence of, of the satanic sacrifice that occurred. And that was... That was on October 1st. And since that time, we've seen devastation wrought upon our country. We saw the wildfires in California, which nobody is calling an arson incident, where I think it was as many as 40 separate wildfires all started within a matter of a couple of hours. Mm. And the accelerant that was used, I saw one report, Frank, and the headline read, the first forest fire where the forest didn't burn, only the houses. It's a little bit of a misnomer, but, you know, if you look at some of the video, some of the drone footage, you'll see entire neighborhoods decimated. And the houses weren't just burned. They were utterly consumed. The glass in the cars and the glass in the windows, was it literally melted. And, of course, that requires the heat of a blast furnace. It requires a heat source beyond a normal carbon-based fire. Much of the the, uh, fixtures inside the homes were also completely consumed. You don't find refrigerators and ovens and you don't find 
the normal aftermath of a normal fire. The fires that, that burned in California were extraordinary. Now, some said that the soil being contaminated by the constant aerosol spraying of the atmosphere with nano-aluminum particles had created a, in effect, the conditions where the soil itself exploded. And of course, nanoparticles are, are the most combustible. That's the reason why grain elevators with a single spark can explode in a detonation that can be heard 100 miles away simply because the grain, the dust from the grain has been reduced to a nanoparticle level. And a nanoparticle is a, a particle so small that the majority of its mass is in the surface area of the particle, which means it's highly reactive. It can explode. It doesn't just ignite, it erupts. And so, you know, now some were saying there were possible other weapons used, that it wasn't just conventional arson. And, you know, who knows what to believe anymore of all the things that you see. Well, 40 fires tell you that is pretty, uh, pretty um, interesting. I, you know, I lived in California, Benjamin. When I was in the Marines, you lived in Cal- You were raised in California. And there's always going to be fires, but 40? Some fires? Come on. And, and just... the residue, if you, go, if you go do the research, the residue... And the amazing thing is here's entire neighborhoods where every house was not only burned, but utterly consumed in the fire. Utterly and totally consumed. And yet there were pine trees throughout the neighborhood, in the backyards and in the side yards, and all around all of these houses. Frank, the pine trees didn't burn. Hmm. How could the fire be so intense that it melted the glass in the car sitting on the curb, which is basically the heat level of a blast furnace, and not start the pine tree next to the car on fire. What is happening? You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. What's a rumor of a war anyway? I heard there was a war using high-tech weapons in Northern California. Now, you don't believe that, do you? I heard there was a war in Houston named Harvey, and hurricanes were manipulated. No, they can't manipulate the weather. Go look at the Department of Defense website, Total Spectrum Dominance. They list control of the weather. It's not just our country that can do it. The nations of the world signed a treaty to agree to not use weather modification as a weapon of war. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Take heed that no man deceive you, for now shall be a time of deception unprecedented. So all these events occurring. And in the background, the march towards the real war continues unabated. Frank, have you seen the, the news of what Korea has been talking about in the last 48 hours? Yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, nerve wracking. I mean, if you're if you're worried about that, because they're they're pretty intense. They basically said they're getting ready to uh, initiate a first strike on the United States. 
And this is a country that has. There's clear evidence that they've been testing nuclear weapons. You know what they don't tell you in the news, though? You know, I don't know whatever. What do you want to call this propaganda machine? I mean, they call it the mainstream media. President Trump calls it fake news. Um, I guess propaganda. A mixture of truth and half-truths with the most important information either twisted or omitted, right? You know what they don't tell you about the North Korean nuclear weapons program? They never really mention to you that the bombs that are being tested by North Korea are actually EMP-type devices. You know, you can design, and I'm not a physicist, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in this, but I have talked with people that are, and apparently all atomic munitions generate some level of an EMP wave, but if what you're attempting to create is an EMP-type device, electromagnetic pulse detonation, that requires a certain engineering design that's different than a, than a, a conventional bomb that is designed to do damage through the explosion, the explosive power, you know, the thermal blast, the shock wave, and, and the heat that comes out of one of these devices. The EMP devices are designed to actually maximize the electromagnetic pulse radiation emitted and not the thermal or, or, or shock wave impacts. And what North Korea has been testing and perfecting are EMP bombs. You know, and that's, that's, pretty, um, that's pretty intense. It would send us into the Stone Age. Um, it would send us into um, extinction. Uh, because we are not equipped, our our cities, even even the people that live in the rural parts of our country, uh, most of uh, our population is not equipped to operate in a non-electric world. You know, we don't have the hand pumps. We have electric wells. We don't have. You know, the cities are um, just simply done. You know, lacking the necessary. Uh, ability to to either move or produce food or water, they are functionally obsolete. But you know, and there's been some good. Uh, Dr. Peter Vincent Price done some great work on the impact of an EMP. Uh, you know what you're talking about is basically the elimination of all of these electrical components. They'll be fried. They won't. They won't work again, mm. and there's there's no way to rebuild them in any amount of time. I mean, look at look at Puerto Rico. I mean, Puerto Rico has experienced a natural disaster with an EMP impact, in the sense that the entire electric grid is gone. And you know, who knows when it'll be rebuilt? And with the grid out, the water pressure is gone. No, I, ha I have friends who have family down there, and it's so bad in Puerto Rico. 
it's so bad down there. They just they're we don't understand it because we can go out and get our fix and our fast food and our coffee from Starbucks. Um, but in Puerto Rico, it's a different world. Oh yeah, you know, just turn off the power in your own house for a weekend, and 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 you know, you can experience for yourself all the things you never even thought of that you know simply don't work anymore. But so there very well could be an EMP device at some point detonated. You know, the um, the government ran a series of you know forecasting models. Mm-hmm. to try to estimate the impact of an EMP detonation over the United States, Frank. Yeah. And the results were uh, stunning. Um, over a 90% population loss within 12 months. Over 90% of the people will be dead. And the reason is uh, simply there's, there's no food or water in the cities. There's no way to maintain hygiene Within a matter of three days, people are starving. They're starting to starve, and they're and they're starting to die from lack of water. All social order disintegrates, and the violence becomes pandemic. And there's no one to bury the bodies that result. And so, within a matter of another week or two, you've got disease vectors that are everywhere. The sewage system stops working, and anyone who's downhill in terms of gravity, uh, the toilets in their bathrooms begin to backflow because of the pressure that builds up in the, in the now non-functional sewage system. Because people don't mm-hmm. stop using their toilets just because the power's out. And so you have a biological weapon detonating in all of the homes and apartments, and so the houses become uninhabitable, and without the necessary means to, to, you know, pump gasoline, the vehicles electronically don't work. The few that might, because they were old enough, there's not going to be any fuel available. There's no way to get out of the cities. I mean, how do you get out of L.A. if the power's gone? What do you do? You you know, you start hiking. And great, so you, you hike out the I-15, and what, you end up in Barstow on your way to Death Valley? Mm. You know, it's probably 130 degrees in Death Valley today. You can't carry water for that trip. There's no hand pumps out there. We don't have hand pumps anymore in the wells in America. Anyway. Yeah, if there was a major EMP device, the United the population of the United States would be doomed. Unless God miraculously intervened, none of us would survive. I, I and that's just one issue. You know, Frank, the one thing that's become patently obvious ever since the eclipse, I think our listeners can attest to this. I mean, I think anyone whose eyes are open and anyone who can see can discern ever since this this eclipse that occurred on August 21st. And five days later, we had the hurricane in Houston. The world has changed. When you look at the devastating disasters that have all occurred in essentially the last two months, 
Puerto Rico's been destroyed. Houston, huge part of Houston has been destroyed. It's no longer in the news because we've gone on to another crisis. But, you know, it's going to take, a, you know, how long to reconstruct Houston? How long to fix the damage in Florida? How long to try to repair Puerto Rico? And this is in American territory. It has been obliterated. In California and so on. Yeah, and the, and the fires in California. And now we're getting swarms of earthquakes off the Canary Islands. And, of course, the Canary Islands have the massive volcanic shelf. And uh, the guys that I had become friends with who were physicists, one of whom had worked with NASA, had talked to me, this was several years ago, how this massive volcanic shelf off the Canary Islands, if there ever was a major earthquake in the Canary Islands, and if that volcanic shelf were to break, the forecasting models showed a tsunami that would strike the entire eastern seaboard and the models that they ran had wave heights anywhere from 300 feet to 1,000 feet. Can you imagine a 300-foot wave hitting the eastern United States? The wave would actually cross the state of Florida and spill out into the Gulf of Mexico. Hmm. There won't be a... Well, the the ground that we call Florida might still be there. But none of the buildings that are in Florida would be... Everything in Florida would be in the Gulf of Mexico following that event. Swarms of earthquakes hitting the rim of fire, and the superquake coming for California. <sighs> you know, we've been hearing the sound of the trumpet. We've been hearing the alarm of war for many years. I remember David Wilkerson wrote the book, Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth. And he talked about the warnings against the United States of America. The first chapter in this Set the Trumpet book by David Wilkerson, the very first thing that David said was, America will be destroyed in a hydrogen holocaust. That's the reason why I, I tend to think an EMP weapon will not affect the entire country. You know, from the, the, the various visions and, and things that were revealed to various men of God, from, you know, from Henry Gruber, who saw... The United States attacked in a massive missile barrage that came out of the water. Cruise missiles launched from submarines very, very close to the coastline on the east and west coast to, to David Wilkerson's vision, in which he saw the United States destroyed in a hydrogen holocaust, to the things that, that I saw in the spirit, where I saw Southern California covered in mushroom clouds. And, and uh, Dimitri Dudeman, just one after Yeah, Dudeman saw the same thing, the detonations across the United States. So, really, it's going to be a nuclear war, not, not just an EMP, but a thermonuclear war. Not that that's an improvement. Um, you know, and we 
have such little knowledge about these things. Because, let's face it, our, our government doesn't really brief us on what any of this means. You know, the news is filled with disinformation at best and deception at worst, but and then we're not really taught what is the significance of these things. You know, we have this, uh, this false image of uh, thermonuclear war that um, if there was you know, one of these devices detonated anywhere near the city that we're living in, we would all just disappear, you know, in the flash of an eye. And that is certainly going to be the experience of the people who are physically near ground zero, the point where these weapons detonate in the atmosphere over the ground. And if you're within, depending on the size of the detonation, anywhere from 800 to 1,000 feet radius of, per, to an, for the really, really large megaton devices, perhaps it could be a mile radius, half a mile to a mile radius of complete vaporization where, you know, in a blink of an eye, um, the molecules are completely consumed, not only of the people, but of the structures, the concrete and the steel, you know, much like the fires in California, where the entire structure is just simply vaporized. But beyond those uh, blast circles, you're talking about huge areas where there's massive damage, there's massive numbers of people that are injured by the thermal blast, which means they're partially burned, or they're injured by the projectiles, you know, all the buildings outside the vaporization circle, in the, in the immediate vicinity of ground zero, all of the buildings and, and all of the other physical stuff that is there is blown into small bits, fragmentized, if you will. Imagine, a, you know, a huge high-rise building turned into fragments the size of your fist and then blasted out like a shotgun blast, and these fragments are going to fly out for several miles, and then they come back down onto the ground. Hailstones made of steel. You know, just utter devastation. Beyond that, Sounds then the radiation very comes. good. Oh, it's going to be beyond anything anybody's. No one is prepared. Nobody's mentally or emotionally prepared for the sudden destruction that is coming. You know, and even those of us who, you know, understand these things, you know, there's almost like a level of denial that even we have to operate with because how do you sleep? You know, we, we, we cannot embrace the true intensity of what's about to take place. Frank, in the Hiroshima blast, which was really, uh, this was a small, we're talking a 20 kiloton device, using rudimentary technology. I mean, you know, this was like nothing sophisticated that was dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And this relative, you know, 20 kiloton, 20 thousand tons of TNT, 20 kiloton. Today's 
arsenal, you know, goes all the way up to the megatonnage, which is 50 times larger. They've got one megaton, uh, maybe a thousand kilotons, right? A megaton, a thousand, yeah. And they've got bombs that go up the as high as a hundred megatons. Although the the impact actually is not arithmetic because uh, the the math of uh, the power of the detonation it, it gradually decreases based on the square of the distance. So. Um, a one megaton bomb is going to ruin your day for sure. It doesn't need to be a hundred megaton. In the case of Hiroshima, Frank, the people that, in, in most, 80% of the fatalities in nuclear war don't die instantly. 80% of the people take two weeks to die from severe burns, from radiation poisoning, from the, you know, infection and the disease that develops from the widespread physical injuries that are sustained. The vast majority of the population survives the blast and suffers extraordinarily for the following one to two weeks. In the case of Hiroshima, the people, you know, were so savagely burned. They ran to the river and they, they jumped in the river hoping to somehow cool the the burns and the water in the river was near a boiling point from the blast. I mean, you know, this, this stuff is unthinkable. It's unthinkable. I have a neighbor that was a small child in Germany in the 1940s. Became a U.S. citizen after the war. He was in the German cities. They were firebombed. And he, he told me stories that the people ran out into the streets because the buildings were all burning. And when they ran out into the streets, they found that the asphalt had melted. And then now they were stuck in molten asphalt. Eventually they would fall over, land in it in their hands or on their elbows. And then they would ignite. I didn't mean to be particularly grim tonight, you guys. Yeah, we're going to need some hope from that one, brother. <laughs> we're going to need some hope because there is no hope without God right There's now. There's a deliverance in the Lord, but woe unto the wicked. You know, this is the, what is coming is unthinkable. You know, Jesus warned us nothing like this has ever happened before. You know, yeah, and if I've, if I've offended any of our listeners by being too candid and too clear about what is going to take place, you know, like I said, even we have to use some levels of denial because we really don't want to think about it. Well, I think but the we point of Benjamin that, that people need to remember is that the Jews were were warned repeatedly um, before the Holocaust, before uh, Hitler did what he did, and and it was unden unthinkable for most. But few, there were a few that actually listened and took heed to the warning. But 
the majority thought it could never happen. And I feel like in the United States, we are the, the nation of denial um, that this could ever actually happen to us. And um, it, it's, you know, eventually it comes around full circle. It will eventually come to pass. Well, we don't want to believe that anything so horrible could ever take place. You know, the United States is part of the empire that the Bible describes as Mystery Babylon. We're one of the descendant empires of the what the scripture describes as Babylon the Great, Mystery Babylon. And we are the daughter of Babylon in the last days. We are a descendant empire of what of a country that will become the head. You know, the beast has a head of a lion in the country that is pictured as a lion, which is England, will head the beast system following the fall of America. America is the eagle's wings of Daniel chapter 7. And when the wings are plucked, and when America is destroyed in World War III, at that point the lion will be lifted up above the earth. The lion will be given dominion over the earth. And the beast that is pictured by the lion will stand upon its feet as if it were a man. And the heart of a man will be given unto it. And the bear and the leopard, they will join together in, in one system. The four beasts of Daniel, chapter 7, after the eagle's wings are plucked, they will all become one single global government under the rule of the Antichrist. And Jesus warned us that a time that is unthinkable is coming. A time such as never was is coming. You know, and one of the things it says about it, the United States and the scriptures, we're the hammer of the whole earth. We've been hammering other nations. You know, principally through our air power. Right, the F F sixteen fighting eagle. America's ability to project military power through the air has been unprecedented. You know, even as an eagle rules the sky, so the American war eagles have ruled the skies of the world since really the end of World War Two. And we have hammered the world. We've dropped our bombs on how many nations? You know, in, in Afghanistan, which we've been... You know, nobody seems to care we've been fighting a war in Afghanistan for 16 years. You guys, the war in Vietnam only lasted for eight. First American troops were deployed in mass in 1965. The war was over by 73. You know, we basically gave up and surrendered Vietnam to the communists. Essentially. But in Afghanistan, we've been fighting for twice as long. There was a wedding party 
in the early part of the war, the first half of the war, there was a wedding party with about 300 people that we mistook as a Taliban gathering. So we dropped our hammer on that wedding, and we killed almost 300 people with our hammers. We did issue an apology. That's nice, right? Feel better? Already? In Fallujah, where we fought in probably the most violent of the battles in Iraq, we used this, a weapon known as white phosphorus. Are you familiar with it, Frank? Yes. White phosphorus is, uh, I think it should be illegal if, it, if it's not already illegal. It should be illegal. It, um, it's an airburst chemical that does not burn inanimate matter. It only burns when in, in contact with living beings. So this white phosphorus dust that is an airburst is essentially a burning substance, but when it falls down on a civilian population, it'll hit children laying in their beds. It, it doesn't burn the bed. It doesn't burn the covers. It doesn't even burn the pajamas. It just burns the children. And they burn all the way down to the bone. And what you what you're left with is these blackened corpses of what were children. Something severe is coming. You know, and to know the truth it's really, really hard. It's a it's a heavy burden to understand what these things really mean. As we see this war now on the horizon, if we have any wisdom, if we have any sense of sanity, if we have any care and compassion for our children and our grandchildren, then let me admonish you, begin fasting and pray. If you have not already begun, use this last time, these final days of peace, to begin fasting and praying for God's mercy that you and, and those that are yours might be hidden under the shadow of his hand when the lion fully emerges from the thicket and when the destroyer of the Gentiles begins to march through the nations. You know, the destroyer of the Gentiles stood up in Las Vegas on October 1st. He stood up from the grass. I know three different people that either were at the concert or my best friend's wife's family members were at the concert, another friend of mine, people they know were at the Vegas concert. A group of girls were there who were on a kind of a group date with a number of guys from Semper Fi, the U.S. Marine Corps. And as soon as, as, soon as the shooting started, the Marines knew what was happening. 
and they, they got the girls out. Immediately, they said, we're leaving now. On the way out, people got shot in the head right in front of them, and they got splattered with the blood. And then these girls are still traumatized. And the Marines confirmed multiple shooters on the ground. Multiple shooters on the ground. Another couple that I know of, um, two Christian couples were planning to go to the concert. Uh, from A lot of people from Southern California were at that concert. That's why I know of a number of people that were there, because I'm from Southern California. And these two couples were planning on going, and one of the couples, the wife was pregnant, and at the last minute she said, I'm just not up for this. I can't stand at this concert. I just don't want to do it. And so they didn't go. And, and the other couple went without them, and they put the tickets on Craigslist or whatever. They sold the seats. And the two people that were sitting in the seats next to them that bought the tickets both got shot in the head. Mm, mercy. I, yeah. And the wife who was pregnant and her husband that didn't go would have been in those seats. And another close friend, um, family members went, and they they unfortunately cannot confirm multiple shooters because they didn't come home. And this was a satanic sacrifice. I actually saw a videotape of uh, gunfire coming out of helicopters, Frank. Did you did you catch that one? No, I didn't. Yeah. We're being lied to. That was the opening ceremony for the takedown of America. And, you know, before you could even recover from it, California was burning. You know what's amazing about the fires in California? The area that got hit, Frank, primarily conservative. This was the area of Northern California that was, you know, heavy... You know, this is rural California, high percentage conservative, high percentage Christian. And this is the part of the state that is talking about seceding from the state of California and becoming a separate state called Jefferson. That's what was burned. In the concert in Vegas, that was primarily a conservative Christian crowd. You know, country music fans um, are not the inner city rapper kids. It's a high concentration of conservative Americans that were targeted. Did you know that Hiroshima had the highest concentration, highest percentages of Christians in all of Japan? I didn't know that. I'm sure. I'm sure that was a coincidence. It had nothing to do with the targeting, right? Yeah, I didn't. I honestly didn't feel like being intense tonight. But you know what, guys? All I wanted to do was read some verses from the Book of Jeremiah because I had, um, in my prayer time recently, I had just opened and started reading from Jeremiah chapter one, and it had been blown away by the things that I read in the Word of God, which I had read so many times before. And, Frank, if it's all right with you in the few minutes that remain, I'd like to read some more of the 
prophet Jeremiah, which in Hebrew sure. we would pronounce the name Jeremiah. Hear me now. So if you have ears to hear, I would beg you to hear me now. Jeremiah chapter 1. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. And the Lord touched the mouth of Jeremiah, and he said, Behold, I put my words in thy mouth. This day I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build up and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see the rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said unto me, Thou hast seen well, for I will hasten my word to perform it. The almond tree, of course, is the, the awakener. It's the first tree to bloom. It actually puts forth its flowers in January. And its fruit is ripe by the very first days of spring. The awakener. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all of the inhabitants of this land. All of the inhabitants of this land. The pastors have transgressed against me. And the prophets, they prophesy by Baal, and they walk after things that do not profit. Therefore I will plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. Jeremiah 2, verse 9. You know, the, the length of a, a generation is 70 years. We know that from Psalm 90. And in the space of 70 years, God can plead with the adult population, the adult generation at the beginning of that time, and then he's got time to plead with their children, and then he can plead with their grandchildren who are also of the age of accountability. And so for three generations, the Lord has been pleading with this nation. Three generations have transpired, and God's been pleading with our children and with our children's children. Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. We got a little taste of that tonight. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. Thy own wickedness shall correct thee. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is a very evil thing and bitter to have forsaken the Lord thy God. And know that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord. That's what we need to be praying for, people. That the Lord would teach us his fear fear, that we could yet return unto him. Jeremiah 3, 12. Go and proclaim these words. Return, O backslidden Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my fierce anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not stay angry forever. Only acknowledge thy iniquity, and that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and has scattered thy ways to the stranger under every green tree, and that you have not obeyed my voice. Turn, O backslidden children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you, one from a city, and two out of a family, and I will bring you again to Zion. Hallelujah. 
and I will give you pastures according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it will come to pass when you are multiplied and increased in the land in those days, they shall no more say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Neither shall it even come to mind. Neither shall they remember it. Neither shall they visit it. Neither shall that be done anymore. And, of course, it's because the deliverance and the ministry of the Lord in these last days will be so much greater that Israel will no longer look back to the ark, which, of course, was the whole focus of the, the original covenant. Jeremiah 4, If thou wilt return, O Israel, says the Lord, then return unto me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you will not be removed, and you will not be consumed. The lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of the Gentiles is surely on his way. He's gone forth from his place to make your land desolate until your cities lie in ruins without an inhabitant. And for this, gird yourselves with sackcloth. Lament and howl, for the fierce anger of the Lord is coming upon us, and it will not turn back. And it will come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that the heart of the king of Babylon will perish, and the heart of the princes and the heart of the priests shall be astonished, and the prophets shall wonder. My balls, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart makes a noise within me. I cannot hold my peace because I have heard the sound of the trumpet and the alarm of war. Destruction upon destruction is decreed against the entire land. Suddenly, my tents, suddenly my home is ruined. How long will we hear the sound of the trumpet? But my people are foolish. They do not know me. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. And I beheld the earth, and behold, it had become without form and void again. And the heavens, they had no light in them. <sighs> to whom shall I speak, Jeremiah 6? To whom shall I give warning, and who can hear? Behold, all of them, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them as a reproach, and they have no delight in it. From the least of them to the greatest, all of them are given to their covetousness. And the prophet, even the priest, every one of them deals falsely. They have healed the herd of my people, slightly saying, Peace, peace. And yet there will be no peace. Thus says the Lord, stand in the way and see and ask for the old path. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And then you shall find rest for your souls. But these people said, we will not walk therein. Reprobate silver shall men call them. Because the Lord has rejected them. Behold, my anger and my fury will be poured out upon this nation, upon man and upon beast, upon the trees of the field and the fruit of the ground, and it shall all burn and shall not be quenched. Why then is this people slidden back in a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to their deceit, and thus they refuse to return to me, 
I hearkened and I heard, but they spoke not that which is right. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? And every one of them returned to their own way as a horse that rushes into the battle. Yes, the stork in the heaven knows her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the time of the judgment of the Lord. The wise men will be ashamed. They will be dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord. What wisdom was there in them? Therefore I will give their wives to another, and their homes and their fields, they will be inherited by others. For every one of them, from the least to the greatest, has been given over to covetousness. From the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves and let us enter into the defense cities. Let us be silent there, for the Lord our God has put us to silence and given us water of gall to drink, because we have sinned against the Lord. We have looked for peace, but no good came, and for health, but a time of trouble. The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. For a voice of wailing is heard in Zion, how we have been destroyed, how we are confounded, because we have forsaken the land and our dwellings have cast us out. Thus saith the Lord, even the carcasses of men will fall as dung upon the open field, and as the handful after the harvest, none shall gather them. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Lord, correct us, but with judgment, not in anger, lest we be brought to nothing. O Lord, you know me. You've seen me. You've tried my heart towards thee. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn? How long will the wickedness of those that dwell therein prosper? For even thy brethren and the house of thy father, even they deal treacherously against you. Yes, they've called a multitude after you. Believe them not, though they speak fair words unto you. Believe them not. They have sown wheat, but they shall reap thorns. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard and have trodden my pleasant portion underfoot. Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be towards this people. Cast them out of my sight and send them forth. And it will come to pass when they say unto you, Where shall we go? Then you shall tell them this, Thus saith the Lord, Such as who have been appointed to death, to death shall you go. And those who are appointed for the sword, to the sword you shall go. And those who are appointed to the famine, to the famine they shall go. And those appointed to the captivity, to the captivity you shall go. Why is my pain perpetual? Why is my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be altogether unto me as waters that fail? Therefore thus saith the Lord, if you will return to me, then I will bring you back again. And if you stand before me, and if you take forth the precious from the vile, you shall be as my mouthpiece. Let them return unto you, but you return not unto them. And I will make you unto this people as a fenced brazen wall. They will fight against you, but they shall
shall not prevail, for I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord, and I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem your life out of the hand of the terrible. Thou shalt not go with them into the house of feasting, to sit with them, to eat and to drink. For I will cause to cease out of this land in your eyes and in your days the voice of myrrh and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. Therefore, behold, the days come, says the Lord, that it will no more be said, The Lord liveth who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, but the Lord liveth who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the nations where he had scattered them, and I'll bring them again into their own land. Behold, I will send forth fishers, and they shall fish for them, after which I will send many, many hunters, and they shall hunt for them on every mountain and on every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth, saying, Surely our fathers inherited lies and vanity and things wherein there is no profit. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes the arm of flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. And blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat comes. And her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful, shall not be anxious in the year of the drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. For the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins every man according to his own ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. They that depart from thee, they shall be destroyed, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. But be not a terror unto me, for thou art my hope in the day of evil. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as a potter? Can I not do with you as a potter with the clay that is in the potter's hand? So you are in my hand, O house of Israel. Return now, every one of you, from your evil way, and make your ways right, and amend your doings. Give heed to me. O Lord, have mercy upon me, O my God. Save us and show us your great salvation. Lord, redeem your people in the day of evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I went a little over, Frank. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's okay. Um, you know, folks, uh, the prophet Jeremiah um, had no popularity, period. Uh, we have no record of any known converts from the prophet Jeremiah during his day. So by today's standard, he was a complete failure by the way churches deem uh, success in ministry. Yet over almost, you know, 2,500 years later, we're still talking about this man 
and uh, of course, obviously, he was a true man of God, but sometimes the cold, hard facts hurt, and they're not pleasant, and they don't always feel good. But, uh, you know, Benjamin, a lot of the problems are, and I've heard this, is, is people understand this truth that what's coming is bad, and, and they have no way out, and and you know they're they're stuck in Southern California, and they're living with a spouse that doesn't feel the same way. And 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 Benjamin, they don't know what to do, and they feel trapped because they want to leave. Um, and I just wonder if you could take a few minutes because Benjamin, this as you were reading all these things, and and I'm thinking about you know I know this stuff is coming to happen, and it's like, what do I grab for? And I, and I remember that verse in Isaiah 43, and it says, "When thou passest through the waters." I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And, and, and I look at all these things going on, and I know God has a deliverance for his people in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the blast furnace. Amen. And I wonder if you could talk to the people, those that are... Yeah, Benjamin, sure. they hear what you're saying, but they're they're you know they don't know what to do. Well, you know, there's only one thing to do, which is to diligently seek the Lord, turn off the entertainment of Babylon, cleanse the house, go through and, and pray over and cleanse the house, sanctify a fast, gather with your if you've got a few close friends, you don't need many, two, three, four people is plenty. Gather together in solemn assembly. Take a weekend of fasting and prayer with a couple of devout people that want to seek the Lord as you do and get together and confess your sins one to another. Pray over the generational sins. Pray and repent of the sins of this nation and ask God for mercy and for deliverance. You know, uh, the day of the Lord is coming upon the entire earth, all right? And the scripture is very clear, you know, the one that runs into the field the, the sword will be waiting for them. There, there's no way to geographically f- uh, flee from the day of the Lord. Um, I mean, if we had a spaceship and we could go fly up to Saturn, right, and watch the whole thing on TV from, you know, a distant galaxy or something, maybe you could escape it geographically, but there's no place on the surface of the planet that won't be experiencing the day of the Lord. But understand this. This is not going to be outside of God's control. You know, the Lord is very clear when he said, I will protect that which is mine. If the Lord gives the commandment to deliver you, you will be delivered. And nothing will touch you. Like the three Hebrew boys in the furnace of Babylon, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their bodies. And the fire was so intense that the men that threw them in the furnace were consumed by the fire. And yet they walked out of it like nothing had happened to them. Daniel in the lion's den, not a hair on his head was touched. And so the deliverance is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. So if you're the single mom or, or you know, you're in a circumstance where you can't possibly cope with this and for whatever reason, you can't leave the major cities of America. David Wilkerson was in New York until the day of his death. People pleaded with him, you know, you got to get out of New York. New York's going to burn one day. And David's like, no, the Lord told me to stay here. Well, David went on to the kingdom before his warnings occurred 
before his word was fulfilled in the earth. But in any event, you know, it, it's there's no reason to fear about where we are physically. Because if the Lord gives the commandment to deliver you, you're going to be delivered just fine right where you are. And if God doesn't give the commandment to deliver you, it doesn't matter where you went. You're not getting far. You're not getting far. The very first thing God's going to do in the day of judgment is he's going to deliver his little remnant. The wicked can wait. They're not going anywhere. They don't have anywhere to hide. The only place to hide is in Jesus. In the secret hiding place of the Lord, which is the place of of sanctification. It's the place of holiness. So, you know, if my words alarm you and, and strike sheer terror into you, well, in some, you know, in one sense, I would say, good. You won't be surprised then with what's coming. At the same time, though, you know, don't fear what man can do unto you. You guys, we've got to really, you know, rely on and take heed to what God said. God didn't lie to us. You know that. I know that. But yet, sometimes we still struggle with actually believing and relying on what the Lord said, you know. This is what God says. Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose very name is holy. This is from Isaiah 57. I dwell in the high and holy place and with him that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. The God of eternity, whose very name is holy. He says, thus says the high and, and lofty one, the Lord is lifted up above his creation. We can't even approach unto him and he inhabits eternity. He's not just in this moment. God transcends the entire eternity, past and future. He inhabits all of it in his infinite power. And his very name is holy. And he says, I dwell in the high and holy place. But I also dwell with those that are of a contrite and a humble and a broken spirit to revive the spirit of the humble ones and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. When your heart is broken, and when you finally humble yourself, and that's what fasting is so good for, is it really does humble us out. It, it pours out that mind of the flesh, and, and you know, the truth just kind of comes forward in our hearts. And God goes on, he says, I will not always contend, neither will I always be wroth, lest the spirits that I made would fail before me, the souls which I have made. You know, if God continued to contend with all of us, we would just be destroyed. He would ruin us. And he doesn't want to ruin us. He wants us to repent. He's putting the pressure on because he's trying to turn us around. The Lord would prefer that we be part of his remnant. But we have to touch not the unclean thing. We, we have to... We've got to return to the Lord. You know, he says in Isaiah 57, I created the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off. And to him that is near, says the Lord, I will heal him. In the same time, all of these judgments, all of what God is doing is designed to cleanse the church. It's designed to turn a compromised people back to the way of holiness. 
You know, many, many people seek to enter the kingdom through the wide road of whatever seems right in their own eyes. I'm a Christian and I do whatever I want. That's the wide road. And in the natural mind, it seems right. And guess what? There are entire megachurches filled with tens of thousands of people that are following right along with you. So, you know, if, if, if the numbers meant anything, you'd be in good company. But they don't. The Lord said many would seek to enter that way. And not only are they headed to ruin, they're not even entering the kingdom. They're actually, if you think what's coming is bad, it doesn't hold a candle to eternity in hell. And so the Lord says, seek, strive, and ask for the narrow way. For straight is the way, and narrow is the path that leads to life. And few there be that find it. But the Lord is looking for the few. So I would say, you know, the salvations of the Lord. You know, I used to live in the mega cities of Southern California. I now live out in the wilderness of the Rocky Mountains. But if the Lord's not with me, I'm not going to last, I won't even last 24 hours. Nobody will. And we can't save ourselves. There's nothing you or I can do. We can't. It doesn't matter how much tuna fish you have. It doesn't matter how much provision you have. It doesn't matter. The arm of the flesh isn't going to profit you at all. And I'm not saying don't have provisions. Do what God directs you to do. But if you don't have any provisions, I wouldn't sweat it. Because the Lord can deliver you without you having a big closet full of cans of tuna fish. You know, we're all leaving this country anyway. Following the world war, this land will be deserted. And, and you guys, we're all going back to the, to the refuge in the wilderness. And, you know, when you get there, look me up. You know, I'll be wanting to meet each and every one of you. And, you know, please stop by, say hi, introduce yourself. And, you know, we can rejoice in the Lord. And we'll all be telling the stories of the awesome deliverance of our God. Every one of us is going to be delivered with a miraculous deliverance. That's why it says in the scripture, they're no longer going to even talk about the Lord who delivered Israel out of Egypt. Everyone's going to be like, we heard that, you know, that was great. But we don't really want to hear that anymore. We want you to tell us your story of how God delivered you during the time of the end. And every one of us is going to have the most awesome story. Amen. And it will be by the hand of God that we got saved. So, you know, for the single moms that are listening that have little kids and they're looking at this saying, what in the world can I do? And the answer is, you can pray and you can press into the Lord. And you can do the things that God says to do in his word. And then you can stand back and you can watch the deliverance of your God. Because Jesus himself is coming. Yeah, I know the world has turned to evil. I mean, it's seriously, you guys see it. You know, when the Bible told us the whole world lay in the hands of the evil one, you know, I remember reading that in the 1970s. I believed it. But it wasn't so obvious back then. There were a lot of people that were just good people. You know, if you talk to them, they would tell you, well, I'm a good person. And, you know, they kind of did sort of look like good people back in those days. They were a lot better than the people that we have today. Today, 
You know, we're it's like the days of Lot. And Lot was grieved. He was you know, Lot was just constantly grieving over the wickedness that was unfolding right before his eyes in Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the days of Noah, where the whole earth had turned reprobate. Violence everywhere. So it is in our days as well. But, you know, folks, what's coming is going to be beyond the veil in terms of severity. But the deliverance of the Lord is also without precedent. God, Jesus is coming in his people, in the remnant, in an anointing without measure. And God's going to show himself. He's going to reveal himself as the mighty deliverer. The Lion of Judah comes. The very first thing the Lord does is he comes to save his beloved. He comes to save his children. Only after he's delivered his remnant will the Lord then turn his focus on the judgment of the wicked. And honestly, we're not going to even want to see it. And it's going to be too much to even behold. And, you know, for that reason, uh, you know, God's going to gather his remnant in little safe places. And he says, enter your prayer closet now, close the door behind you, and let the indignation pass over you. And folks, this thing really is about to begin. I think we can all see that. Frank, I mean, isn't that becoming kind of obvious at this point? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is coming obvious. And, and folks, as Benjamin was talking about, listen, this is the great, this is one of the best parts about God. You don't need to be a scholar. You don't have to have uh, 10 years of Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. It's so simple. In Amos, he says, For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. It's that simple. In Jeremiah, seek, when you shall seek me and search me with all your heart. It's basically so simple as just seek the Lord with all your heart. I know you don't have everything understood yet. You don't have it all figured out. Uh, that's okay because God chose the ignorant, the unlearned men. They, they, they were so offended at the fishermen. The apostles, the early disciples back then, that the, they couldn't, the Pharisees couldn't understand these unlearned. They were saying, you, you, these are idiots. And that's the one who God chose. And I'm like, praise the Lord, there's hope for me. God uses idiots. I am so thankful for that. And, Amen. And so well, I used to freak out, Benjamin, when I first heard all this because I was so intense. But you know what? I've you know, it's about mature, we mature some in the Lord, and we understand that. You know what? As you said, a thousand cans of tuna fish aren't going to save my life. No. They're not. Not even for one day. No. God not can, though, through the middle yeah, of the Yeah, if the Lord the tells you to buy a thousand cans of tuna fish, then go do it. Yeah. But if he doesn't, then you don't need it. Because, uh, as I mentioned, we're all leaving. You know, Frank, the one thing that, uh, maybe it's obvious, but it's not always apparent to everyone, the only issue are the matters of the heart. And the problem we get into is the fact that the heart is deceitfully wicked. My heart, 
your heart, all of our hearts are deceitful. We deny things. We bury them. We have what I call sort of like a denial veil. And we stuff stuff. We stuff the things we don't want to face. And we can be so practiced at the deceit of ourselves that we can put the spin game on, you know, and and suddenly, you know, oh, well, brother, the whole reason I'm in the ministry is I want to serve the Lord. Really? Why is he? <laughs> on the marquee of your church, your name is in bigger fonts than Jesus. <laughs> it's, but yet that pastor's convinced everything he's doing is for the Lord. But really, the pride is, you know, the demon of pride is so huge that it can't hardly get through the front door of the church. And yet we're in denial of our real agendas. That's the reason for the trauma. You know, a lot of us, have, as we've gone through the hard places of our lives, we've experienced, some of us have experienced some pretty hard things. Everybody's experienced some of the pain and suffering of the, of the fall of man. And, and, you know, sometimes it's easier to stay angry than to forgive. And then we know we're not supposed to be bitter and angry, so it's easier to just pretend to forgive people and just stuff it. And so we've got all this stuff that's inside of us, and yet we walk around in an intellectual version. We have an intellectual faith, and we do believe. We're trying to walk in. We're trying to abide in the Word. But there's stuff in us under the denial veil that's getting in the way whether it's roots of bitterness, issues of unforgiveness, just stuff that has not been redeemed. And it keeps us stuck in the outer court, outside the place of protection, the place of sanctification. And in our natural mind, because our hearts are deceitfully wicked, we can't unpack this thing ourselves. We can't figure out our own deceptions. Because we've deceived ourselves with them. And then we deny that we did it, okay? And trust me, you ask any Christian, you know, they'll tell you they've never, they're not deceiving themselves. They're in total denial of the deception that's occurred. You know, the Lord has left most churches, and those churches have denied that fact. They don't know it. They can't see it. They're unaware of it, and thus they deny it. Look, just because you can't see something and you're unaware of something, that doesn't make it real or unreal. It just means you don't see. So what is the remedy? The prayer and fasting. Amen. You know, I was watching um, a series of videos online. I don't know if you guys have seen The Truth About Cancer or The Truth About Pet Cancer, which also is kind of interesting. And in the, maybe it was the Pet Cancer one, part three, um, they talked about the ketosis diet, and yeah. I'm not into the, I'm not advertising the ketosis diet, but they talked about what happens when you uh, either restrict carbohydrates by changing your diet, and I'm not sure I agree with that diet idea, but the same thing happens when you um, 
do long-term fasting of more than three days using just water, and you eliminate all the carbs and all the proteins, and you know you go on a full-blown fast. I like the distilled water version the best with the the cut-up vegetables, the celery, carrots, and beets uh, in the distilled water because you get the electrolytes. But in that place, they they were saying medically, scientifically, they've been able to establish you will reduce the risk of cancer by 99% by long-term fasting. You Mm. reduce the risk of major heart disease by 99% by long-term fasting. You will also eliminate the deceitfulness of your heart by 99% by long-term fasting. Amen. Because the got just falls off. Seconds, I, I don't know why that here. is. So, brother, thank you for that. Benjamin, we're coming to the end right now. Folks, that is true on the fasting and prayer. This is, it's like you could just bypass all the ridiculousness, get in alone with the Lord, begin to fast and pray, and God will make the changes, and you will walk with confidence in the last days. And the only fear you will have is the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, and it is deliverance when you fear the Lord only. And so, folks, this is Brother Frank and Brother uh, Benjamin on the Remnant Call tonight saying, folks, have hope. God is coming back for his people soon. Dark days are ahead, but the light of Jesus Christ will light our paths through the darkest of hours in this earth's history. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus Yeshua to bless each one of you, folks. Good night and shalom. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.